Jack, you go first, and then I'll go after you, because you, I think you'll be better at this than me. <laughs> Okay, welcome back to the Marketing Playbook presented by Details Interactive. Here to take away three game-winning marketing plays every episode to take back to your team. I'm your host, Mark Friedman, and my career has been focused on direct-to-consumer marketing, direct mail, physical retail, and digital commerce. This is episode number 17, and today's guests are mother and son, Lisa and Jack Bodell. Before we get started, a quick thank you as always to Max Brandstetter of the Wild Business Growth Podcast for producing this episode. You can reach him at max at hippodirect.com to help bring your podcast to life. Let's open the playbook. Ready, break. Well, hello, everyone. Thank you for joining the Marketing Playbook podcast. Today, we're changing up the format a bit, and I'll be joined by two guests, Lisa Bodell and her son, Jack. Lisa is the founder and CEO of FutureThink, which enables organizations to kill complexity, create space for innovation, and get to the work that matters. Jack is a member of a program called TKS, the Knowledge Society. They call themselves the future of education and learning. They teach kids mindsets. It's not what you know, it's how you think. Lisa and Jack, thanks for joining me today. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having us. <laughs> All right. Well, first, you know, let me talk about my connection uh, to Lisa. I, her husband is a fellow named Brian. Uh, he and I worked together many, many years ago. He was at a, a company called R.R. Donnelly, and uh, I worked for a catalog business at the time. He was our sales guy. We built a very nice uh, relationship then. And, you know, we've stayed, you know, professional colleagues. We haven't seen each other in, in a while, but, you know, we connect. Uh, online and, and through the phone uh, every once in a while. That's and, right. And, and, yeah. And, and Lisa, as I mentioned you know, to you, I have a very fond memory of, of Brian. Um, I have twins. They bought, uh, they are 26 years old now. And when the kids were born, Brian uh, sent me a nice plant. That plant ultimately wound up in the backyard and, and flowers each spring. And that always reminds me of, of Brian. So you'll have to say hello for me. I will say hello. Tough act to follow. That's a great story. Uh, it is. And, uh, and, and Jack, uh, I'm glad that you're able to join today. So let's jump right in. You know, for Lisa, you know, I like to get my guests to give up their first story. Mm. I heard another podcast talk about that. And basically, it's a quick overview of, you know, kind of how you got to where you are today. You know, what in your early life perhaps prepared you for what you do today in your, in your career? So really, well, great story. I love when people ask for stories. You know, it's funny because I never... I never thought when I was younger that mm, I'm going to grow up and be a futurist and an entrepreneur. That just wasn't a thing. But the first time I ever was an entrepreneur was when I, I had, I lived in a cul-de-sac in Michigan, which is where I grew up. And I was very enterprising and I wanted to make money to buy a bike. And I took rocks from the cul-de-sac and I painted them all kinds of happy faces. And I took them around to neighbors. And of course they, you know, when somebody shows up at your door and rings the bell and is asking if you want to buy a rock, well, who wouldn't want to buy a rock? And that's the first time I ever started making money was selling rocks to my neighbors <laughs> that I had painted. And then I, I realized, Hey, I was pretty good at marketing stuff. I went off to business school at Michigan, and then I took my kind of Midwestern practicality to advertising and realized I was really good with the steak and the sizzle, and I didn't just want to stay in advertising, and I left and started my own company. So I, you know, I had that kind of entrepreneurial stuff growing up between my own rock selling and my parents being entrepreneurs, 
And then I kind of got the rest of that juice from business school at Michigan and in advertising, which really set the foundation for me wanting to market and train people for new skills and new ways to go business. That's great. And Jack, your first story is a lot closer in memory, obviously. How old are you, Jack? <laughs> yep, I'm 17. So I'm a rising senior in high school. And uh, yeah, I mine, definitely, I'm really young. So I used to be more into focused on sports than I am now. I do still play soccer for my high school team and also a travel team in New Rochelle. But pretty much how I got into the tech world and TKS, originally I was really focused on sports. I was on like four different um, sports teams, two lacrosse and two soccer. Um, so throughout middle school and early high school, I was kind of focused on just the normal cycle of school, like wake up, school, homework, then to practice, back home, sleep, and just repeat that cycle. Um, so I kind of felt like something was missing and I kind of got bored of that endless cycle. And I wanted to, I guess I was looking for something bigger and something I thought that was more applicable to uh, life rather than just some of the boring courses in school that I thought didn't really help me. Um, so I did some research, looked into some programs online, and luckily ran into TKS, which was good. And it also helps to have two parents as entrepreneurs um, guiding me through that as well. Right. Uh, that's great. And, you know, I should have told our guests, you know, we're recording this uh, roughly, uh, you know, the middle of July 2020. You know, we're still in the middle of this uh, pandemic. Your schooling has been interrupted. Uh, how have you uh, dealt with, you know, your, your normal schooling uh, being interrupted and also the TKS uh, program uh, same way? Yeah, well, actually, I think um, as a junior, we kind of got lucky. I think like the the third and fourth quarter are usually the hardest throughout high school that's the hardest out of every year so we kind of got lucky everything shifted online and I think having open book tests is definitely a win <laughs> despite not being able to see your friends and I think my school transitioned pretty swiftly it wasn't too challenging we just went on to zoom calls 30 minute classes much shorter than an hour and a half so that's definitely another plus but then again, it's also, I feel like um, online classes, it, you're, it's harder to focus while you do get to plan your time at home and be in the comfort of your home. I feel like um, we didn't learn as much, to be honest. Yeah. Well, uh, I think most school districts, uh, and I'll talk about my involvement in the school district in a second, mm -hmm. most school districts were not prepared for this kind of uh, extensive closure. And, and Lisa, in your business, you know, you're obviously doing a lot of, you know, corporate speaking and all. Uh, now I'm guessing you're doing more things virtually. Um, are, are companies allowing that to happen? They're, well, they're forced to let it happen, which is really interesting because I really felt like, um, you know, everyone said before the pandemic that you just, there's no replacing um, being in person. You can't train in person. You know, my business is really a, a training and skill building company around creativity and innovation. Like, gosh, you have to be physically together to do it. And our, our premise was, no, it can be blended. You can do some in person and some at home. And wouldn't you know it, it's true. So when people, you know, were forced to be at home and really take on video and then learn how to collaborate, that way once they got used to the new norms because that's really what it is is getting used to new behaviors and trust in a virtual environment then they were able to start to take on things like building skills and collaborating better but they, there was that transition right of be, getting used to doing it digitally and remotely um, and building relationships that way once they got over that hump 
now business is starting to starting to move forward again. Right. That's great. So, you know, one of the, the interesting things about both of what you do, it's education. Um, Jack's uh, learning. He's in the, in the learning mode. You're the teacher mode, let's say. As I mentioned to you in, in our prep, you know, I spent six and a half years uh, on the school board in Westfield, New Jersey. You know, that was a, a really interesting time for me. I hadn't really spent much time with the school district my kids you know, went through since they were in kindergarten, but I wanted to be able to give back to the community because my kids had a great uh, experience here. And I also felt that with the, the kind of experience that I had in both business and in marketing and in somewhat you know, digital technology, that there was a void in what we were doing. And we were a high performing district. So I think in some little way I was able to contribute, but, you know, that's kind of my interest in this whole education, you know, thing that, you know, both you and, and, and Jack are doing. So let, let's talk to, to Jack a bit about, you know, so Jack, you know, you're, you're obviously a, a young person. What made you seek out TKS? You know, what did you feel if, if you did, was there a void in what you were learning in school? Were you not being challenged enough? Did you just have a wider range of interest? Give us some perspective on that. Yeah. So I, I definitely wasn't as interested. I wasn't very interested in the courses at school and I thought there was much more to learn and much more I could learn as a teenager to prepare me for life outside of school. And I definitely started seeing an interest in tech I don't know if it was from, I don't know, either movies or just um, stuff in general. I wanted to do something bigger, um, seeing like all the um, top innovators and like Elon Musk was definitely a huge, a huge um, inspiration. Um, and I wanted to look for a program, how I could get into that tech world, get into that um, expertise or knowledge. And so I just did my research. I looked up what did I look up? I first started looking up like after school programs for high schoolers in the um, tech area. Um, and surprisingly, how I ran into the Knowledge Society actually was through a YouTube ad. So this kind of connects to marketing, I guess. Um, they're targeting high schoolers, so they knew most of them will be on YouTube. So I was watching, I think it was a, it was called Kurzigstat was the channel. And it was a, it was a science, it's a science and tech YouTube channel. So I guess they had an ad pinned to that, I guess, um, area within YouTube, and it worked. So <laughs> that's how I ran into it. That's great marketing. And I'm also glad I, one of the options I should have given you about why you went into this is that your parents forced you to, but um, <laughs> I, I, I didn't expect it. <laughs> I didn't expect, and I, and I should say for you know the folks that are listening, um, it, we, we have a video uh, going on. And as Jack talks, Lisa is smiling ear to ear. She's obviously very proud of, of Jack and, and, the, and the work that he's uh, doing. So we know a little bit about what uh, possessed you to, to join uh, Jack. So let's take a break, give you a, a chance to, to relax. Let's talk to mom. So Lisa, you, you founded uh, this business called Future Think, but what were you doing before Future Think that was the, um, you know, kind of set you ready to do this business? You know, before that, I was at a, uh, for people listening on the podcast who are of a certain age in the 90s, I started at a dot-com. When I left the advertising business, I was a little worn out. And I, um, you know, I was, I was an account person, but I was always very creative. The creatives were like my best friends. And um, I was just a very uh, creative business person. And I went to a dot-com because I wanted to learn how to, I don't know, do something more entrepreneurial. But if you remember back then, being out on your own as an entrepreneur wasn't really a thing yet. 
And so I really learned to run a business on someone else's money. And I put in a ton of hard work. I put in a ton of hours and I really learned how to sell, sell, sell. Cause I started a, you know, a couple offices for this.com. Um, and then I decided at one point, you know, I'm making money for someone else. Why don't I do it for myself? And I had gotten a lot of really great skills in terms of learning how to build a business, learning how to build a team, learning how to build a sales group and really how to market stuff. You know, it doesn't matter how great your idea is unless you can market it. And uh, I took the leap and I went out on my own and it, it took a while, right? It's not always a billion dollar business overnight, but it's great because it's your own and you have a lot of control over it. So that's what I've always found interesting is I can be as creative as I want and have the creative control over it too. And, and as you think about your business, you know, how, how do you view your, your mission, you know, for the, the folks that you're, you're teaching? What, what's the goal? So the, the, what has been really interesting to me is I started out as having a business around marketing and creativity because um, that was just what, that was what people wanted, right? Marketing and strategy. And then I realized is that what people really wanted to do was come up with ideas, but they didn't know how. And like ideas for companies, ideas for marketing. And I was really good at that. And so I had no intention actually of having a training business, but I felt into it because I was a natural teacher. And um, so we started off as a training business, teaching people innovation and creativity. And then it really spawned into innovation became a thing. And at the same time, what was happening was it wasn't just people wanted to become more innovative. They also were coming, becoming more busy, right? The, the biggest thing people don't have right now is time. And so it wasn't that people could no longer be creative or innovative. They didn't have the time to do it. And that's when the whole arm of my business around simplicity took off. Everyone can be innovative if they can have the time and space to do it. And so I really started focusing my company around teaching people how to be innovative, but first creating the space for it through simplicity. And that really is what set my business apart because not a lot of people were talking about simplicity. It's a real hot button. People don't know how to do it. And what really matters to them when they come to work isn't doing meetings and emails. It's working on things like that creative marketing idea or working with that creative partner or doing that creative deal that they got hired to do in the first place and they just got lost along the way. So our company is helping them find the stuff that matters and give rid of the unnecessary stuff that doesn't. Yeah, I want to come back to innovation in a second because I think there's a good tie-in to the work that Jack is doing. You know, it is amazing. Um, you know, I've, I've been part of you know so many different companies and different cultures, and and I know myself. You know, you fall into this the kind of the habit of doing the same things day in and day out. You realize that after some time, you're wasting time during the day because you just fall into this trap to replicate what you did yesterday, you know, and, and, and oftentimes I've sat with, you know, people on my team and have said, look, I want you to keep track what you do each day. And, you know, the, immediately, you know, the hair on the back of their head goes, or the back of their neck goes up because they think you're trying to monitor their time. But what I've really been trying to do is to show them where they're wasting time. You know, and, you know, when they're, especially the, the junior people, and when they come back and they, you know, we look at 40 hours worth of work and I said, I'm all right, what, what are you seeing? They're like, you know what? I'm wasting eight hours. I could be uh -huh. way more productive, you know, in that 40 hour <laughs> period of time. Do, do you see that as well? I do. Actually, it makes me think of two things, which is, you know, I'll tell this for the people that are listening. I, I would invite them right now as listeners to do this exercise. And that is, to pat their head, to rub their stomach, and to click their heels. And as everyone doing it here, and I'm sure everyone is able to do it, I would ask them how many were able to do all three at once. Most people will answer immediately that they were able to do it. And my response to that is, I, that's not what I asked you to do. 
I ask you to just pat your head, rub your stomach and click your heels. And the reason I do this exercise is because we fall into this trap, which is the complexity trap. We elevate everything to the same level of importance and we think multitasking is better than focusing. And actually in the end, when you focus on one thing, you get there faster and better. And that, that's where you get into the whole thing of people are really good at being busy and they're really good at having a lot of things on their to-do list. But if you have them look at their to-do list and circle what's valuable on it, they don't circle many things. So the key is if you look at that to-do list that you have them do mark and circle the things that are valuable, the key is of the things that aren't circled, why are you doing them? And if it's just out of obligation, how can you as a team get rid of them? Because that's the unnecessary work. And that's why we're constantly, you know, patting our head and rubbing our stomach when we don't need to. Yeah, that's a that's a great thing to do. I actually, I, I saw you live um, speak and I was one of the fools that were trying to do that uh, in oh. the audience. So, <laughs> Sorry. That's um, no, all right. It was good. So let's talk about uh, innovation for a second. You, you brought that up and, and we'll, we'll see from Jack's point of view. Jack, you know, just going back for a second in TKS, once you saw that ad, what kind of a, a process was there for application, acceptance, and all for those people, you know, perhaps parents that are listening that say, wow, this is an interesting program. I want to, you know, send it off to my uh, child. Yeah, of course. So it was actually an interesting um, application. A lot of the questions had to do with who, who you looked up to, why you had this passion and interest in tech. If you could pinpoint one innovator or someone you'd want to become, it was simple questions like that, just to bring about how, like how you think. Um, I, I think I had to write an article too on one of the tech topics. So I chose to write about um, artificial intelligence um, and then once you got through that section, you do an interview with one of the directors. So it was a pretty, uh, fairly simple, but I'd say definitely different than other programs based on the interesting questions they'd ask. But yeah, the, the, the admission process was simple. We, we'd submit the article, they'd give us feedback and luckily I got in. So it's great. That's uh, that's great. Congratulations. And and talk about um, Microsoft's Innovation Lab and what that is and how that plays into TKS. Yeah. So um, every Saturday for three hours, we'll have three hour sessions. I'll take the train into Times Square, go into the Microsoft Innovation Lab. It's really nice, really cool. They have a really nice space, kind of like a creator space, whiteboards, cool desks, <laughs> everything you need, computers. Um, and they even have some other people to talk there, um, talk with there and help you out with any projects we have. And they're always open to ask, answer any questions we have with artificial intelligence or any of the topics in tech we're studying. And within the Microsoft lab, they also have, we do like little um, investor, they have bring in investor panels. So we do like hackathons and they'll have, have a panel of investors where we get to pitch our business ideas too, which is really fun and great to um, get that experience. Has there been any one particular pitch that you've made thus far that you're most proud of um, yet? Yeah. So <laughs> we've done, I'd say three or four now, but I'd have to say it was the capstone project we had to do at the very end of this program. It was in April. So we basically had three weeks to build and develop a business and they called it a moonshot project. So the idea, business idea had to be a moonshot or very difficult to like carry out. And my uh, 
company was called Mindset, and it was a brain-computer interface where we had like a headband that would track your emotions and give you personalized feedback on your stress and fatigue levels, and then tell you when throughout the day you should take a point, like a, a break point, and um, to basically help you in the workplace, increase your productivity and stuff like that. So that was one of the applications. And then we also had a uh, application where you could help with mental health and people could track like in hospitals, if someone had an issue, they're um, kind of feeling too depressed throughout the day. So then they should head into the doctor, get checked. And then the final application we had was in the IOT area. So the internet of things where it could connect to devices around the house and turn things on and off. Um, but that was just my favorite because all the skills we learned through that process of making a business, not just developing the idea, but also the branding for the logo, the meanings behind just the colors within the logo, um, all the marketing involved and the pitch itself, how to pitch to investors from major companies. So it was definitely a great experience. Outstanding. Uh, outstanding. And we'll come back. Uh, we're going to let mom uh, talk a little bit. So, you know, Lisa, as I, I was looking at, you know, your site, um, and I, I, I think I heard you talk about this also, you know, live, this whole concept of trends and learning. You know, I've heard you say that we need to build T-shaped people, not I-shaped people. But, you know, what does that really mean in, in practice? Well, it's, you know, it's exactly what, Jack, what you were talking about. One of the things that he and I love so much about the, the TKS experience. And Mark, I know what you work so hard on in, in your school district, which was, you know, how do we get people that have not just depth, but breadth? And one of the things that we focus on a lot within education that I think is missing, and Jack definitely felt as a student was missing, was teaching mindset. And so I shape people are people that have depth and subject matter expertise. So, you know, we have science, we have tech, we have math, we have all, you know, we have English, et cetera. That's great. Every, you know, we want people that have expertise. You want to hire marketing experts, but if everybody gets the same degree, what sets them apart? And it's their ability to deal in different situations. So a T-shaped person is the soft skill or mindset that you put on top of that. So all things being equal for people listening to this podcast, if you're hiring someone with the same level of expertise or varying degrees, the thing that I would want to have set them apart is their ability to be agile, resilient, creative problem solving, curious. Those are things that we really explicitly teach in schools. And that's one of the things that I thought was so great about TKS. It's not just what you know, but it's how you think. And if we could lay onto the what we know, the how we think, that's where the T-shaped person would come in. And I think it, it would make my job a lot easier because I wouldn't be teaching adults that are missing that. I would already be teaching adults that are primed and able to do that. And frankly, the businesses would get better ideas. All right. Yeah, that's that's great. And so when when you come in, you know, when a company calls you up, do they have a predetermined problem that they're trying to solve? Or do they come to you and say, you know, look, we want to do something for our employees. We don't really know what is going to be valuable to them. You know, it, I, I feel like in a lot of companies, it's it's kind of check the box. We need to do something for employee development. W what do you see mostly? But, well, you know, it's becoming less check the box, thank God, because it used to be one of those, you know, we just need some online learning because my boss said we need online learning or we need to do some leadership development. So let's, you know, we got to fill five days of stuff. 
And that to me is really inefficient and a terrible waste of money. Now what we're finding is they're tying it much better to strategic pillars of, you know, our strategic pillars are curiosity, innovation, some kind of leadership, et cetera. And then we have to fit within those skill sets, which I really like, you know, focusing on those skill sets. The trend I'm seeing though, is that they're also building in mindsets. And I really like that. So it's about this whole curiosity. You know, it's about asking better questions, for example. It's about agility. Um, right now with COVID, it's about resilience and being able to better deal with unforeseen change. So I, I like that they're recognizing this is the problem and this is the skill and they're finding the people that can do it best. Right. And well, you, you've written a book. How many books have you written? I guess a better question. Two, two books. Two. Yeah. Uh, the, what were the titles of both of them? So the first is Kill the Company. And that was right. how you can end the status quo because that's what's the problem with people. They fall in habits. The second was why simple wins and how to embrace simplicity so you can get to work that matters, like innovation. All right. And the kill the company, is that kind of um, consistent with part of what you do in, in sessions, kill the competitor? <laughs> yeah. So kill the, the idea behind kill the company is proactive obsolescence, which is what we teach. So the idea is you don't want to have a burning platform, right, to change your company. You want to be able to proactively address challenges and be able to pivot before uh, your competitor does it to you. And so the kill the company idea was if you had to pretend you were your competitor, what kinds of things would you do to put yourself out of business? And so it, it gives people permission to attack weaknesses and solve them. And in that process, what they find is they are able to have a lot more strengths than they thought and turn a lot of these things back on their own competition. It's just a more structured way to do it. And that's, that's what we're trying to do is kind of turn the strategic planning on its head so it's really more creative and more productive. And you know, that's sim similar to something that I've done in, in a couple of stops uh, where we were trying to, you know, maybe re-engineer or reimagine the business, you know, that we had. And I would, you know, get my team together and we would talk about, you know, what would we do if we were bought out or merged with another company? You know, so if, you know, we were merging with a company that was, you know, roughly, you know, a, an operator just like us, you know, what would we think about doing? You know, what would we change? Or if we were bought out by somebody and they said, look, you know, you're going to lose this many heads. How would you reorganize, you know, the various departments that you had? H have you ever done any of those kinds of things? We have. And what I, so this really is interesting. This gets back to the whole I versus T-shaped people, which is when it comes to, you know, today's world, like with COVID and people that are able to pivot are the T-shaped people. The I-shaped people aren't able to connect dots across different places so they could pivot. Like, let's do this same thing, but in this different way. And that's really what, you know, this whole kill the company does is get people to be able to pivot better and, um, you know, restructure their business to deal with, Kind of what you were talking about here mark which is a constraint mindset it's easy to be innovative when times are good right when you have all the money in the world that is not reality what reality is is often a constraint mindset right budgets are cut in half covid's here now what do we do and the great news is is that people can really rally to it but they need to be given permission and the skill sets right these t-shaped people um to do it so if we can prepare people to be t-shaped earlier they're going to be able to come to these tough situations with a much better and faster approach to success. 
Yeah, and I think we're seeing that in a lot of cases now with COVID. You know, yeah. um, I, I've seen so many scenarios where businesses, you know, were forced to do things that perhaps were on their roadmap to do, but they had excuses why they couldn't do it. They didn't have enough resources. They didn't have the time. They were worried about the risk of doing it. But when you, if you're a retailer, physical retailer, um, and you can't get people into your stores, well, you figure out pretty quickly how to do curbside pickup. Or if you have a customer service function and you can't get people into your call center, you figure out pretty damn quickly how to get them to work from home. And I have, if I had a dollar for every business you know, that I've heard that is thinking about not going, you know, taking their customer service back into a centralized facility, but allowing a big group of people to work from home, it's incredible. So, I mean, it's really right. forcing people to do things differently. Um, and that's what you're advocating. That's what, so, and this is the thing, and this is one of the things too, and like Jack, when you talked about your, your program, I really like this, is that we don't teach people how to challenge assumptions. And that gets to, like, right, Mark, you get into a business and people want a plan. And the best laid plans never, never work out as you originally intend. So you need people that are prepared to challenge assumptions around how we work. And we have to do that again and again and again. And when people feel they have the permission to do it, then they're okay with trying to do things in new ways. And one thing I do love about, and COVID has been a very challenging time, I think for everybody, um, health issues aside, it is fantastic to see how creative people have been when forced to, and they've done a really good job. There's been a lot of pivoting hard in the last three months that I think in normal times would have taken them a year or more to do easily. Oh, totally, totally agree. The devil's in the details probably heard that phrase time and time again in your professional life. Projects get started with great intentions, but you no longer have the time to pay attention to the little things that can make the difference between success and failure. At Details Interactive, you can discuss your business with a seasoned direct-to-consumer marketing executive who has helped launch and grow web businesses and integrate multi-channel marketing initiatives. Learn more at detailsinteractive.com. And, and, and Jack, the uh, in the program that you're in, there's quite a lot of, I'll call them classes or things you could be tackling. So you talked about artificial intelligence. What are some of the other things that are is being offered in the program that perhaps you didn't have the opportunity to participate in? Yeah, yeah of course. So yeah, I, I didn't even really go into how it works. So basically, we get into the program in the first week. Well, first couple of weeks, it's all about exploring. So exploring all these different topics. They have, I think they have 40 plus um, explore topics. And it's basically, um, you'll have like a folder and there's like at least 15 modules of lessons to go through. So they have artificial intelligence, IoT, BCIs, um, human longevity, viruses, genetic engineering, cryptocurrency, the list goes on. And so the first few weeks that's what you're focusing on you're tackling what are your interests what do you think you could be good in and what do you want to eventually go into and learn more about and once you find that thing personally for me it was iot the internet of things and find your own niche within that um that's when we do what we call a focus so you'll focus and dive deeper into that explore module and do your own separate research and you'll create two replicates, which are two projects that have already been created or done. So like right now I have an Arduino board and a couple other wires I got to figure out and I'll build that project later, building a IoT sensor. 
Um, and then once you do that, you'll go into eventually creating your own and making, I'll probably make my own sensor. And once you, and following that, then you have to do a presentation on what you made, which is really great. And you get to show everyone what you learned and how far you've come. And that's the basic um, structure of the first year of the, what they call the innovate, innovate year. And, and how many years program is this? Yes. So there's three, there's innovate, activate, and then disrupt is the final. I'm going into my activate, which is the second right. year. Uh, so innovate, like I said, it's more, it's more exploring and gathering um, all that knowledge of the tech industry you want to go into and then activate. It's going to be more, more speaking, getting your personal brand out there, um, showing um, your expertise in the field and, and connecting with more CEOs and more people get building that. Yeah, network. Jack, you know, what? one thing that's really cool, Mark, that I think for people on your podcast, it's, they really teach too, is the power of, especially the marketing is networking. I mean, these kids learn how to network and ask questions and connect and LinkedIn. And I wish I had known that in high school and college, I would have been so much better prepared for the work world. Oh, good. yeah. We basically have to make our own personal website, LinkedIn, like my mom said, and kind of get ourselves out there and learn to connect with people. And on top of that, it's not only like the networking skills, they also teach us the mindsets going back to the T-shaped the person. They want us to have different expertises in multiple um, fields. So while I may have an interest in IoT, maybe I want to combine it with AI. So each session will have, at the start of each session, we'll have like a, a knowledge drop and a quick 10 minutes teaching on like a mindset. So like one of my personal favorites was antifragility, which is being able to take feedback and also put yourself in stressful situations because that's often where you're going to have the most um, improvement and kind of like advancement in yourself. And I often find that it's not just the knowledge you gain, it's also just the mindsets um, that we learn from this program that are the most helpful for life later on. All right. That's great. That's great. And, and, and so Lisa, you know, as you think about, you know, your business and how you evolve the, the business, you're focused on, on companies and, and we're hearing, you know, Jack in an organization that's helping young people. Have you done any work with young people as, as well to kind of, you know, get to them before, you know, if you will, before we've learned all these bad, uh, you know, uh, kind of traits. Yeah, before before we lose all the goodness and get the yeah. bad traits. Uh, yeah. Before professional skepticism sets in, as I like to say. Yes, we have. Um, we've done a lot at the college level. We've taught, um, there's a national association of principals, believe it or not, for across school principals and public schools that we do a session with every single year. Um, and also within my my own local high school. Um, I've given sessions for the senior weeks. I've done things in the elementary school with 3D pens, and I've also given um, mentoring sessions. But as far as a curriculum goes, it's been very limited. Um, it's been very hard to crack that nut in terms of uh, public and private schools, but I'm happy to say now that we're seeing within a lot of schools innovation labs that aren't just um, classrooms with whiteboards, but actually curriculum to teach these creative problem solving skills, which is the first step. Um, and now actually coming out of COVID, believe it or not, we're also seeing diversity and inclusion uh, groups that are happening within classrooms because that's, um, I sit on a lot of DNI boards or DE&I boards, and it's about diversity of mindset and perspective that can also create a lot of innovation, which is, Jack, I know you saw this too, right? The range of kids and backgrounds and perspectives they had came up with really cool ideas on your projects. 
we're hoping that happens more in the schools. So it's, you know, we get more of that um, at work when they arrive versus having to teach classes on it, you know, during work. I think I just think all this earlier prep is going to make businesses much better when these kids get out of school. Yeah, there's there's no question. And you know, look, one of the things you know, there's it's so competitive, and you have programs that you know Jack is part of. I remember you know taking my kids around for colleges, you know, a, a while ago, and you know I was an economics major, but you know we went, we were sitting, I think at GW or I think we were in GW, and you know they brought the tour guides up in the front of the room and asked everybody to introduce themselves and tell us what your major is. Well, you know, it was uh, Jane Doe, and her major was so long, I think she needed a business card to remember <laughs> what her major was. You know, we are, in, on the one hand, we have so many more opportunities for the young people to learn, you know, as they are in, you know, junior high school and, and high school and then prepare for college. But on the other hand, a bit of me feels like they're being forced to have solved all the world's problems before they get into college because it is so competitive. Any you want to say something about that, Jack? <laughs> yeah, Jack, I'd, I'd love to hear your, your point of view. Do you find it, um, you know, competitive? Definitely, definitely. I think it's definitely um, more challenging as it goes on. Um, like, I was joking. I was like, do I need to cure cancer to get into a college now? But I think some people think about that and definitely want to, like, do everything they can, do, like, a million jobs, do so much just to compete. Because so many kids are putting themselves out there, which is good, and doing a lot more, I feel like, than kids in the past. And honestly, through TKS, thankfully, they've given that extra push and uh, given some confidence in myself to say that even though you're a teenager, look at all this stuff you can just look up online, figure out yourself, and do. And and Lisa, if if you thought about you know the companies that you know that come to you for for thoughts, what what's the the one thing you know I asked you this in a different way before about the problem they were trying to solve, but what what is the one single thing that they that you think they don't ask you about that they should be asking about? Well, um, it, it's interesting. So no one ever says what's the one skill that people need to have because I know they know that it's more than one skill. But I'm surprised at how many people, when we talk about agility and resilience, really head not to that. Because I think everyone talks about needing to have, you know, creative problem solving and be curious and deal with change and have difficult conversations. But some of the things that people need most are pretty basic. And I wish that they would want to talk more about agility and resilience because people that are able to pivot and they have some stick-to-itiveness, right, versus just jumping to different jobs or getting frustrated with things too soon, those are the people that I think can really be successful and I wish that we would teach more of. It's not as sexy, so I don't think people kind of glom onto it, but I think it's probably some of the most important. Right. Got it. And, and have the, the, um, has the work that has been requested of you changed since COVID? You know, you mentioned diversity and inclusion, but that was not really related to, to the pandemic. It was just, you know, same timing. But are they coming to you with different requests? Well, I'll tell you, yeah, dealing with change is definitely one. But, you know, the biggest change is, is not just the, the what, but the how. So it's one thing that people want to do things virtually now because they're being forced to and they realize, hey, we can. But, you know, I always laugh that I say adults have tremendous ADD. And we pivoted to be an accelerated learning company about a year ago. And that has now gone on steroids. And the reason I say that is, is we used to teach multi-day classes. We now only teach one-hour classes. Because that's really about all the time span that people have 
and they only want to tackle one skill at a time. So gone are the days, right, when you would take a multi-day class and you would learn 10 different skills. It's really now one skill, one hour. And so people can take it, learn it, and try it. Um, because they're really overwhelmed right now and we need to have better focus training for shorter attention spans. So that's the demand is can you do this more quickly? Yeah, that's perfect for me because my attention span is is about an hour. That's for sure. Um, I, I can't, you know, it's hard for me to sit still. Um, well, I was going to say with Zoom now because everyone's Zoomed out, you know, they say 30 is the new 60. So, you know, hour meetings, people can't just keep getting hour meetings, especially on video because it's a different kind of exhausting. So, sure. you know, 30 is the new 60 and people are really r responding to that. And I think it's only going to get more. Right. And in that spirit, um, as we're heading down to the home stretch of our time together, Jack, yeah. um, let's get some final thoughts from you. So you, you will have been through uh, the three-year program. Uh, you'll be thinking about, you know, college. Uh, mm -hmm. Where are you thinking that this, you know, program and, and your learnings are going to take you? Do you have a, a college uh, in mind at this point? You may, may not want to jinx it, so maybe you don't want to talk about it. But <laughs> I, I'm, unless you're interested in the name of the college, I'm more interested well, in what what do you ultimately think this education will allow you to be able to do? Well, I think it goes beyond college. I it's definitely the knowledge I got from it, but it's like I said, the mindsets and um, also just the business skills I'll take on to hopefully if I become an entrepreneur, I'll be able to take those skills past college and when I create a business. Um, so I don't think it's just within my four years at college. It's definitely going to go beyond that into the workplace in terms of where I'm, where I'm looking. Um, <laughs> I think my top two right now, they're definitely challenging, but Northwestern USC, they have great Northwestern obviously has a great engineering program and, um, USC also has a great innovation, innovation lab and business school. The Ivy Young Academy is very interesting. And I think that'd be a, a good match based on my like of uh, TKS. So I think the weather's a heck of a lot better at USC. You know, well, I don't know whether or not your parents want you to go to uh, to California, but you know, sure. certainly, I, you know, you, you look like a, a beach guy. So you know, <laughs> yeah, uh, you the know. water's warmer uh, there, Jack. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Well, when you start selling shares in yourself, okay. Um, you let me know because I want to be one of the first investors because it is clear that whatever oh, you, yeah. you're, you're, you know, look, <laughs> the, the fact is, um, you know, I always cliche, you know, if you haven't failed, you're not trying hard enough and, you know, you may start a business and it may not be successful, you know, your first one or your second one, but ultimately, you know, you're going to be uh, successful. Lisa, you know, as you think of evolving your business over time, you know, you, you, you've kind of pivoted to one hour sessions. What, what's next? Do you change um, the, the curriculum? Do you keep doing what you're doing? H how does that, how do you view that? Yeah, we have, I mean, it's accelerated learning. And so a lot of it's going to be even more accelerated and bite-sized because I think everyone's got this kind of mini mindset. We've got to keep creating that micro learning for them. And some of the stuff is literally, it's five minutes or less. It's two minutes or less. Um, it's much more video driven because people are not reading anymore. They are skimming and they are watching. And it's a YouTube world, especially for younger generations. Um, and a lot more of it on demand because people want more control of their time. So those are the three shifts that we're seeing. Right. Well, you know, one of the things, uh, you know, we try to do with the show is uh, have people have three takeaways for either their personal or their business lives. And, you know, ultimately I listen, uh, come back and listen and, and record something that kind of summarizes the three things. I know for sure there's way more than three uh, from this session. So this was great.
we're now at a point in the show that I call the two minute drill. Um, I'm going to ask you, there's six questions. Uh, we'll let you guys either you know, answer together or, or individually, or you can pick uh, you know, whoever wants to go. Um, so I'll give you the six and uh, first kind of things that come into your mind. Okay. Jack, you go first and then I'll go after you because you, I think you'll be better at this than me. <laughs> You're agile. Okay. All right. First one, a brand that you admire or that inspires you? I'd have to say SpaceX, and I know I'm supposed to keep it short. So I think the Starship, their latest project is fascinating. Great mission to Mars. So that's really cool. Okay, Lisa. Well, mine's not as sexy as that. Mine's Kickstarter. And I, because I like it that it's giving Great. entrepreneurial companies that might not have the scale as others a fighting chance to really disrupt. I love it. Right. That's great. Jack, your favorite app on your phone? Oh, just the classic teenager. Um, Snapchat, I'll have to say. <laughs> All right. Well, it was either Snapchat or TikTok. So. I know. Uh, exactly. Lisa, you're going to take TikTok. I know. No, you know, it's so funny. I, I'm embarrassed because Jess can be like, oh, God, mom. Um, Audible, you know, because I can listen while I'm either walking my dogs or I'm on a run. And I just, and also as an author, I really love to hear people consume different content. So that's mine, Audible. Okay. The last website other than Amazon that you shopped from? <laughs> I think it was, I think it was Ted Baker or Paxson. So close. <laughs> okay. Close. All right. Got it. Uh, you know, I'm embarrassed to tell you that it's mine's on Insta. Like I shop off of Insta all the time now. I'm becoming one right. of those impulse shoppers. Like that's cool. I'll get it. Um, and I like that too, because it's giving smaller unknown brands like into my mindset and giving, giving money to them. So I did that. That's great. Jack, something that you are not good at, but that you wish that you were. Oh, I definitely, especially with TKS, I need to build up my coding skills, I think. Definitely. Okay, great. Lisa? Boy, I need to build up my coding skills, but um, I, I don't know. I, I've always wished I was a scientist. You know, I feel like they're, you know, they're solving tomorrow's problems today, but that's, that's a long dream for me now, for another lifetime. All right, Jack, if you had one superpower, what would it be? Mm. Ooh, uh, <laughs> that's tough. Um, I don't know. Maybe just like, I guess the ability to solve any problem, if that's okay. a superpower. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a superpower. <laughs> I'll steal that one. Mine was mind reading because I like, I'm all about changing people's behavior. And if I could predict it better, that would be, that'd be some intent analytics, right? So mind reading for me. Great. And the last one, other than family, what's your most prized possession? Mm. Uh, I, I like, I like the, the family car, the Jeep. Like driving. Okay. Okay. Cool. The Jeep with the dogs, for sure. Yeah. Uh, for, you know, for me, it's uh, mine is antique games. I collect antique games because I'm a big fan of play because I think it right. really inspires people. And so I collect a lot of them and I think they're amazing. All right. That's great. So, you know, this has been really interesting. I think both of you have, yeah. you know, such interesting stories. They weave together, you know, really, really well. Uh, Lisa, let's start with you. Where can people reach out to you on social media? Uh, on LinkedIn, of course, you can find me, Lisa Bodell, and then on Twitter, at Lisa Bodell. Okay. And, and Jack, if uh, people are interested in uh, buying stock in you like I want to, or if they want to learn more about the Knowledge Society, where can they get you? Same thing, LinkedIn, Jack Bodell, and Twitter as well. Okay, great. Guys, nice to, uh, Jack, nice to meet you uh, finally. And, and Lisa, nice to see you again. And, Thanks, and please Mark. send my best to, uh, to Brian. Will do. It was fun. Thanks for having us. That's it. Today's game ball goes to Lisa and Jack Bodell for coming on the Marketing Playbook. To me, today's three game-winning marketing plays were as follows. Number one, 
Multitasking is really not efficient. We think that it's faster when we can do more than one thing at a time, but the fact is we're much less efficient when we try to multitask. Buy yourself some more time by circling the things on your to-do list that are valuable. The rest, ask yourself why you're doing them. Number two, when hiring and building out your team, you can bring in the I-shape people, those that have some depth and subject matter expertise. But think about the T-shape people, the ones that have the subject matter expertise, but they also have the soft skills. They're resilient and curious. It's not only what you know, but it's also about how you think. And number three, give your teams the permission to innovate. Allow them to know that it's okay to fail and to make mistakes. If they're not failing, they simply are not trying hard enough to find new solutions to common problems. Thank you, Playbook Marketers, for listening to another episode. If you want to check out more pages of the Marketing Playbook, make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast spot and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter at Details Interact and learn more at DetailsInteractive.com. Until next time, the devil is in the details. 